pray this finds you uh, having a good day and a good morning. I uh, pray that you are uh, looking forward to a great time in the Word. We will be in the book of Joshua, chapter 3. And uh, this is uh, one of uh, probably my favorite chapters in all the Bible. Uh, partly because what it does, um, it shows a significant level of learning and growth. Um, to really understand uh, the magnitude of Joshua chapter 3, we have to go all the way back um, to the book of Exodus when Moses and the nation of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Uh, in that story, um, we find that Moses stood uh, and prayed uh, all night for God to move. The Red Sea was in front of him. The uh, army of the Egyptians was behind him, and God moved and parted the Red Sea and allowed the nation of Israel to cross on dry ground. And then when the nation of Egypt pursued them, uh, the Lord allowed the water to come back over and destroyed the nation of Egypt and the army of Egypt. Um, the problem that really ensued from that was just about 21 verses later, the nation of Israel had already forgotten what God had done at the Red Sea. They began to murmur and complain and go all dramatic and saying, you know, it would have been better had we died in the land of Egypt than to come out here and be suffering the way that we are and to die. And I mean, they just went full blown uh, dramatic mode. And that was really the start of all of the problems that Moses had leading the nation of Israel. And it's not necessarily knocking Moses, but I think sometimes, and I'll be honest with you, this is something that oftentimes I find myself even kind of struggling with, is we're so ready for the next task. We're so um, looking for that next task that many times we may forget to celebrate, uh, reflect, and remember what God has just done for us or what God is actually doing for us. Um, the reason I say that is because what you find with the story of Moses and the Red Sea is that they never really took the time to just be in awe of what God done. They, they never took the time to just sit down and say, oh my gosh, do you realize what just happened? We were basically, you know, ripe for the picking. We had no way to move, no way to go. Um, it was one of those things to where uh, only God kind of situation. And he did. He showed up and he parted the Red Sea and he allowed them to cross. And unfortunately, the nation of Israel, because they did not reflect on it, they did not uh, allow themselves to remember what God had done. They forgot about it real quick. You know, it reminds me of Psalm 1. It's one of my favorite uh, passages. Psalm 1 lets us, it tells us that 
You know, blessed is the man who meditates on God's word day and night, and he'll be like a tree planted by the streams of water, and his uh, leaves will never wither. He'll produce fruit in season, and everything he do will prosper. Um, that's the idea of us sitting down and meditating and reflecting on what God has done in our lives. It's when those things happen, when we reflect and we remember, uh, we're, we're able to keep ourselves centered on, on the Lord. And unfortunately, that's something that Moses and the nation of Israel didn't do. What they done is they just kind of uh, done their thing. And they were just in such a hurry to kind of get things going and moving that because they didn't meditate, reflect on what God had done in their lives, and, and especially right there at the Red Sea, what we find is that it allowed grumbling and complaining and all that to come in. And unfortunately, that's one of the things that just kind of, it, it really pursued them, you know, all the way to the point where they sent the spies. And two of them come back with a good report. Ten of them come back with a bad report. And God said, okay, since you're doubting me, uh, y'all will wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And y'all won't see the promised land. And so because I think that's a very, very important lesson for us, that when we fail to reflect and meditate and remember the things that God has done for us, I, I think that it's a lesson for us that we will have times where God will, will quit moving that he'll let us wander in a wilderness for a little while to be reminded of saying, okay, we had things good and we messed it up. Uh, we neglected to do these things. And I say all that to say that I think Joshua was a learner. And I think Joshua, by being there with Moses and seeing all the things that the nation of Israel had done, he learned some things. And what we're going to see is that in chapter 3 of uh, the book of Joshua, which it's probably going to be, maybe a two or three part uh, uh, podcast, just this chapter. So uh, it'll take a little bit of time to really develop the whole story because there's so much in it. But I think what we find is that Joshua really remembered that. I think that was a moment that stuck out to Joshua. And I think what happened is Joshua said, okay, I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm not going to let these problems happen again. And I want to make sure that... When God moves this time, that we remember, we reflect, and that we actually will establish a visual aid to remind us of what God has done. So uh, I wanted to kind of lay that foundation as we get ready to start because, again, I think that you don't just read books of the Bible and you don't read uh, what we would refer to as stories in the Bible just kind of in and of themselves. Uh, they connect. And the story uh, that we're seeing here in Joshua is one that's very important. Um, going back to uh, the story of Moses and the nation of Israel. So in Joshua chapter 3, it starts off by saying, Joshua started early the next morning and left the uh, Acacia Grove with all the Israelites. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before the crossing. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priest, you are to break camp and follow it. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the Ark. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go, for you haven't traveled this way before. Now, this again, I think, is just a really intriguing thing. Um, really intriguing story as we look at it. God has uh, allowed Joshua to recognize that he's the man 
God's going to use him to help the nation of Israel fulfill the promise of the promised land. And they have sent spies into Jericho. They realize that God is going to give them Jericho. We've talked about Rahab the past couple weeks. And so we've got a situation where they realize, okay, God is going to give us Jericho. He's going to give us the promised land. And now we've got to start on the journey. And so what they do is the people, the uh, leaders kind of go into the camp. They tell the people, let's get ready. We're going to move forward with the plan that God has for us. And here's kind of a condition. We want you to keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if you know anything about Old Testament, um, the Ark of the Covenant was very symbolic of the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant would be in the Holy of Holies, in the temple, and the Shekinah glory of God would come down and dwell between the uh, wings of the cherubim. And that's where the high priest would go. And what we see throughout the Old Testament is when the nation of Israel had the Ark of the Covenant with them in the camp and and in situations like this, it would say, and it would go before them. That would be very symbolic of the presence of God going ahead. Um, It would be, another way of saying it is they were allowing God to go before them and they were trusting God to guide them. And so the Ark of the Covenant was a very visual representation of the presence of God. And the priests and the leaders the, the leaders here say that the priests are going to go forward uh, ahead of you all. And we want you to stay about a thousand yards. Um, so to give you an idea, that is 10 football fields long. We want you to stay a thousand yards away or behind uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And there's a reason. And the reason they said was so that you can see the way to go. For you haven't traveled this way before. Um, I heard someone this past week make the comment, and I really liked the way that they said it. They said, Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the way that they stated it is they said, Sometimes God's word lights the path for us so we can see exactly where to go. But sometimes God's word only lights one step in front of the other, like a lamp just for our feet to where we have to really trust God. We really don't know the direction that we're going because we can only put one foot in front of the other. But we trust God. And the reason why I say that is because sometimes I think that instead of us walking right behind or right beside God, I think sometimes we need to kind of rest in Psalm 46.10 and that's be still and know that I'm God. And what I mean by that is it goes back to that idea of the meditation of God's Word. And and understand what I'm getting ready to say. I'm not talking about like uh, meditation <coughs> to where you're talking about a lot of these Eastern religions and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. Uh, here's the way that I tell our church and tell people. I look at, and again, I'm just a simple guy, so I use simple illustrations. I look at the meditation of God's Word like a crock pot. All right, if you just, I like to cook chili. 
And so if you just take your chili and you just throw it into a skillet and you try to cook it real fast, you know, it'll be okay. But if you put all of the ingredients into this big old huge crock pot and you put it on low for 12 hours and you let that chili simmer all day long and you just keep going in and occasionally stirring it around, by the time that you get done with that 12 hours, all of those flavors have blended so well. And man, that chili is so much better because you allowed it to take the time for the, the flavors to process, to blend, and all that. That's really what I believe meditating on God's Word is. Meditating on God's Word is very much like a crock pot. It's not, it's not trying to sit down <clears throat> and do a, a quick five-minute devotion. It's not trying to hurry up and read a chapter a day just as that way you, you read that chapter. And I know that there will be a lot of people who may say, you know, Jeremiah, what you're getting ready to say, I I don't agree with and I believe is wrong. I'm not a big proponent of reading through the Bible in a year for this reason. You can read through the Bible in a year and say, yes, I read through the Bible in a year, but what did you retain? What are you actually getting out of it? Yeah, you read five chapters today, but did you really sit down and let those five chapters saturate you? Did you sit down and allow it, or did you try to say, okay, I got 20 minutes today, I'm going to try to hurry up and get my Bible reading plan in? I'm way more a proponent of quality over quantity. I would rather someone read four or five verses today and journal on that for 30 minutes and just let God crockpot all that inside their hearts rather than trying to hurry up and just read a bunch of stuff to say that you've done it. Because the whole point of allowing God's Word and for us to be able to meditate on God's Word and it to affect our lives is so that we we can go out and share it. One of the things that I found is when I take time in God's Word and I journal and I sit down and I let God's Word just stew up inside me, I find that throughout my day, I will have instances to where what I've read or what I've studied or what I've meditated on is able to come out throughout my day. It's able to come out so that uh, I'm able to share what I've read. So I'll find that I'm in a conversation with somebody and say, Wow, you know what? I read this this morning in my time of study, and it speaks right into what you're talking about. Because see, the idea is not to read your Bible so that way you can have a check mark. It's to read your Bible each day so that way God can let the Word come out through you in other people's lives and situations. So I say all of that to say, with this statement right here where uh, the, the, the officer said, make sure that you stay a thousand yards away <clears throat> so that you can see the way to go, for you haven't traveled this way before. What I believe that tells us is that we don't need to be in such a hurry, but sometimes we need to be... We, we need to stand back just a little bit. And we really need to let God just go before us. You know, I look at this th- these verses right here, even just in my own normal day-to-day life. We all know this statement, but I think I can say it this way. We all know it, but we don't live by it. Okay? We all know that I have no idea what my day holds before me. Right now, it's... 920 uh, on October the 19th in the morning. I still have, uh, according to you know the way that we normally live, I still have my full day ahead of me. 
I have no idea what my day is going to entail. I've got some visits planned with some of our church members today. You know what? I could be out on the road today and I could be in a bad car accident. Uh, who knows what could happen in my day today? I could end up getting a phone call right now from school and saying, hey, one of your children is sick. You got to go pick them up. There's all kinds of things that can happen in my day that I am completely unaware of. Yet we live in such a way that we're so planned out that I think sometimes we're not allowing ourselves to really let God go before us so we can watch how he goes in our day. Because I've never lived the day of October the 19th, 2022 out ever. This is the one and only time I'm ever going to live this day. And just like the, the officer said to the people, you've got to stand back so you can see how God, the way which God goes because you've never been this way before. I've never lived this day before. I have no idea what this day is going to entail. I have no idea what this day is going to do. Now, if I just kind of get up and I start my day and I'm not in the Word and I'm not in prayer and I don't surrender my day over to the Lord and what I'm doing is I'm just kind of going with the plan and I'm just kind of dragging God along with me by saying, God, bless my day and bless all the things that I'm going to be doing. That's really not letting God lead me. That's really not meditating on God's Word. That's really not watching where God's going. What that's doing is saying, God, this is what I'm going to do and I need you to follow me. And that's not really a good biblical model. And so what the nation of Israel is doing here is they're kind of doing the antithesis of what happened with Moses and the children of Israel. And I'll tell you why. <clears throat> because one of the things that the nation of Israel had a problem with is they saw Moses as their leader, not God. They were constantly grumbling to Moses. They were constantly blaming Moses. Even when you go to the point where they were, uh, when Moses was getting ready to go up on Mount Sinai, if you look back in Scripture, it says that the people were fearful to even gather around the mountain because they were fearful of God. Because the people really didn't have a relationship with God. And they, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here. They're like, Moses, you go and you face God on our behalf because we don't want to. They didn't want a relationship with God. They wanted Moses to be kind of that advocate for them. And because they viewed Moses as their leader rather than God as their leader, they were able to constantly find fault in Moses, blame Moses, be disobedient, and all of those things. I believe what Joshua is doing here is he's saying, I recognized all that and I learned all of that. I don't want you all to see me as your leader. I want you to see God as your leader. Because see, Joshua has never been this way before either. Joshua has never went here before either as the leader of the nation of Israel. It's not like Joshua knows exactly what he's doing. Joshua is having to be reliant upon the Lord. And what a good leader does is not try to make everyone think that they have all the answers and they know what they're doing. But a good leader lets everyone else know, I have to rely on the Lord too. A good leader will always let everyone know, I don't have the answers and I've got to trust in the Lord. And that's what Joshua is doing. Joshua is letting all of the officers tell the people, listen, we have to trust in God. We have to rely on God and we have to watch where God goes 
and follow him because we have no idea where we're going. We've never traveled this way before, and we want to make sure that we're not taking the wrong steps. So we're going to stand back, we're going to watch, and we're going to see where God goes, and we're only going to walk where God has led us. That is such a huge thing for us to understand, and it's so practical. But I fear that it's so practical and so easy that we neglect it. When we sit down and we look at that, you can sit down and, and you may be listening to the podcast and you say, well, you know, Pastor, you're 100% right. That's that's a no-brainer. And I'm even kind of saying that as I'm, I'm, I'm saying this statement right now, but then here's the problem. Why don't I live like that? Why is it that I know that I need God to guide me? I know that I don't know what my day holds. I know that I should trust God for everything in my life. I know that I should surrender my day to the Lord through prayer and through Bible reading and meditating on His Word and letting Him direct my day. So why don't I do that every day? Why is it that there are certain days, I mean, I wake up and I realize, oh Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing and I need to surrender my day to you and I need to let you be in complete control of absolutely everything. And then there's other days that I wake up and I just completely go full steam ahead into the day because I know that I got a busy schedule and I just kind of do that quick prayers. I'm driving down the road and I'm like, God, my day's going to be busy. I pray that you bless my day and I'm going to be going and doing this, so bless it. And I'm basically dragging God along in my day saying, here's all the stuff I'm doing, so you need to bless what I'm doing. Rather than saying, God, I want to surrender to your to your word. I want to surrender myself to you in prayer. And God, what do you want for me today? God, where are you going to direct me today? God, where are you going to lead my steps today? And so we know what to do. We know the right things to do. But we're so busy and we're so distracted that we just kind of go about doing our day And we drag God along and then we're wondering, well, why don't I feel more at peace? Why don't I feel more joy? Why do I feel like I'm trying to force this or force that? Why is it? Why, why am I not having opportunities today to really, you know, share the gospel or do this or do that? Well, when we're, when we're walking down our own path, rather than allowing God to walk before us, and us to be able to follow the path that he's got for us, that, that's, that's not a recipe for success. And I think part of the reason that we struggle with this idea of surrendering our day over to God, letting God be in control of all the stuff that we're doing and all that, is because we don't really understand that idea of meditating on Scripture. If you go back to Joshua chapter 1, and I know we've already been there, but I want to go back to it and I want you to listen to this. Joshua chapter 1 verse 7, Above all, be very or be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction of my, serv- uh, my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn to it the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. See, not only I I brought up Psalm 1 
And again, that's one of uh, a passage that I love because of what it, it speaks to. But it's also one of those things to where God told Joshua the same exact thing. Meditate on my word day and night. And I'm not trying to belabor the point. But again, when we look at this idea, and, and I know that what I'm getting ready to say can come across very uh, ugly, and, and it can come across as if you know it, it's me maybe being offensive, but I'm not. But I really do struggle with these, with these like five-minute devotions every morning. You know, you, you get a quick five-minute devotion on your phone or you buy one of these, these little devotionals and it's 365 devotions and it takes you two minutes to read through it. It's one Bible verse and it's just these positive outlooks that people are just writing down. And you think then, because you've done that little five-minute devotion, that you're ready to take on the world. I'll tell you what a five-minute devotion is in the spiritual world. And here's, here's an illustration compared to the physical world. To me, a five-minute devotion is that you wake up in the morning. And I think all of us would agree that apples are healthy. Okay? Apples are, are healthy, and, and each one of us have our own kind of apples that we like that are our favorites. But if you were to wake up this morning, let's say you woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and you took one bite of an apple... And that's all you ate all day long. Yes, an apple is healthy. But is one bite of an apple really healthy? Is one bite of an apple going to sustain you? Is one bite of an apple going to give you the nutrients you need throughout the day? Is one bite of that apple going to cause you to be able to have all the energy you need in order to do the tasks that are ahead of you that day? Well, of course we know that answer is absolutely not. Doing a five-minute devotion in the morning that has one Bible verse and about five sentences of somebody that's trying to give you positive psychology is like taking one bite of an apple and thinking that you're going to make it through the whole entire day with no problems. You're going to be lacking energy. You're going to have your stomach growling. You're going to be hungry. Your thoughts are going to be everywhere. You're going to see all kinds of commercials for pizza and hamburger, and your stomach's going to be growling, and you're going to want that so bad. And you realize, if I'd have just eaten more for breakfast, I wouldn't be so hungry right now. If I'd have just eaten more for breakfast, you know, my thoughts would be, I wouldn't, my, my mind wouldn't be kind of dull and all of that. It's the same way in our spiritual lives. If we spend time in the mornings with God through prayer and in His Word, and not just reading His Word, but meditating on His Word, it's amazing how it changes the whole trajectory of our day. What happens during our day is now we feel like we've we're sustained with a great meal. You know, we're not as distracted by the sinful thoughts because our mind is meditating on the Word of God. We have verses that we're able to continue to regurgitate in our hearts and in our soul and in our minds. And we're able to go out with those verses in our heart and speak it into other people's lives. It changes the whole trajectory of our day when we spend quality time in the Word of God. And so many people will sit down and say, but my day is so busy, I don't have time. I'm not going to sit down and be that guy 
But listen, we can sit down and look at how much time we spend on our phones, how much time we spend watching our favorite and streaming our favorite shows and this and that. And we've got plenty of time. I've made this statement many different times. You make time for what you love. If you are someone, and I'm not a hunter, but I do know this. There are guys who love to hunt. And you know what? They know when hunting season's coming up. You know what they do? They will save their vacation time at work. So that way they can spend that vacation time to go hunting. Why? Because they absolutely love it. They will do whatever they need to do to make sure that they can go sit in that tree stand. It's the same way with us. If we love the Lord and we want to be obedient to Him, we will make time for His Word. If that means we got to get up 30 minutes early, we'll do it. If that means we got to cut a few things out in order to make sure that we got time for His Word, we'll do that. But what happens is we know that that's the one thing we can get by without. And I think here's the biggest statement. We live in a day and time in our Christian culture right now to where we really don't think we need God's Word. God's Word is not our sustenance. God's Word is not what we need to get through our day. We wake up each morning and we feel empowered enough, we feel smart enough, we feel mature enough in our Christian walk to where I don't really need to spend 30 minutes in God's Word. I got this. And then we live by these slogans like, I'm just going to go into my day and I'm just going to believe God's got this. Well, listen, God can't have it if you're not following God. And the only way we can follow God is that by we're meditating on His Word. And so what happens is we live by these Christian slogans and these Christian cliches, and we just kind of go through our day, and when bad things happen, it's like, God, why'd you let this happen? Well, the problem is, is if we're not following the trajectory and the path that God has before us, it's not God's fault. And so what Joshua is doing is Joshua is learning from the mistakes of Moses and he's setting up this strategic model to where the people and the nation of Israel are not going to have an excuse to neglect God anymore. They're not going to have an excuse to say, hey, we didn't know. They're not going to have an excuse to say, hey, you know, Joshua, you're the problem. No, no. God is the one that's guiding us. I'm letting God be in control of everything. And so I know we only got through the first four verses, but I think this is a really good foundation for us to lay down in order for us to understand the next parts of what's going to be taking place in Joshua chapter 3. This is a very important chapter in this book uh, because I believe it sets the stage for everything. And what it does is it gives us an understanding um, of what it means to really let God guide our day, guide our lives, and make sure that we're staying firm in the Word, meditating on it. And so, you know, I pray this has been an encouragement to you. I pray it's been a challenge to you. If you got a time and an opportunity, I'd really appreciate it if you could rate this podcast on the platform you're listening uh, or give a review so that way this thing can get out there a little bit more and be able to be an encouragement to people. If it has been an encouragement to you, share it with somebody. Be able to um, put it on a social media page or, or be able to tell somebody, hey, go check this out. It's been a blessing to me. And more importantly, I pray that you go out and share your story today. Tell someone about how your life has been completely transformed by Jesus Christ through his gift of salvation. I pray that you have a blessed day. We look forward to being back in Joshua chapter 3 next week.